Hey everyone, this is Josh, and welcome to, well, a special episode of Life on Side B. The White House has recommended that all of us avoid groups of 10 or more people. That is some of the guidance from President Trump for at least the next 15 days. No groups over 10 people. In some ways, that feels like that's our new normal. As many of you know, I had not planned to return to the podcast for the first half of the season. But, as has happened for pretty much everyone around the world, a lot has changed in the past few weeks. In the last two months, our world has changed drastically. And many are saying it's only the beginning. The coronavirus seems to have encompassed our entire lives. And I debated, honestly, for a while whether it was even worth it to talk about it. But it seems we have come to the point where no one can avoid talking about it. I don't care who you are, everyone has and will be affected by it. So I decided even here on Life on Side B, it would be important to talk about. What does it look like to be Side B during a pandemic? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Everyone can hear? Yes. Yes. I can hear. Okay. This thing is acting up so ridiculously. No, this goes into our technical difficulty blooper reel for the end of the year that is oh going to be phenomenal. Yes. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. gosh. Thank you guys for joining. All three of you, uh, you know, everyone listening. Thanks for joining us for this unexpected episode of Life on Side B. And it's so unexpected that I have not really figured out how this episode's going to go. So we're just going to do this and we're going to figure it out as we go. I texted Josh and I was like... Yeah, I didn't respond to you because I really didn't know what <laughs> yeah, to say. Just how unexpected <laughs> this is. I texted Josh and I was like, is there a topic for this episode before I jump on? <laughs> and you got no response because <laughs> I had response, so here no answer. <laughs> the topic is life in the time. Rona. Oh, Rona. Oh, Rona, she just but destroys. You say it really, really dramatically like oh, that. Oh, yeah. COVID-19 quarantine-related anxiety. Yes. Um, with our special co-host, you might hear Becca's kids in the background and my niece somewhere in the background of my house and my best friend Joel here as well. So mm-hmm. just some unexpected guest co-host today as well. I'm, I'm all for <laughs> it. I'm, you know. Yeah, whenever my husband wakes up, and then opens the closet and just gives me this weird look like what are you doing (laughs) so as everyone here can listen or hear everyone here can hear we are all in enjoying the life of quarantine being stuck with our families inside and this is probably going to be the most unprofessional episode but that's we're showing life (laughs) in the midst of corona honestly As you guys have heard so far on the episode, when I began working on this, I didn't have a plan. And I'm not even sure even now I have a plan. But I thought, well, at least among us co-hosts, let's share about how it's affecting our lives because it definitely is affecting everyone's lives. So at least we can talk about how it's affecting our lives. How, How are you doing now that Rona has barged into the party? Um, so I know I live alone normally and I also work from home full time. So 
this hasn't been like the social distancing aspect hasn't been hard for me. And so unlike that aspect, not much has changed for me from day to day, like in terms of like how many people I see. Last night I was kind of like, you know what, let me go meet some friends at a bar or something. And then I remembered, oh, I can't go meet friends at a bar. And then we had a Zoom, like a two-hour Zoom FaceTime call with like some good friends and just had some drinks and had a lot of good laughs. So like it's been weird, but it's been fun, like finding new ways to connect with people. And yeah, like last night was probably one of the funnest nights I've had in a while. And I was just sitting in my kitchen. Becca, what about you? How are you doing through all of this? We are um, surviving. I'm definitely not keeping all of the balls juggled in the air right now. But most of that is because I'm trying to figure out how to teach 100 10th and 11th graders online um, and also homeschool my kindergartner and first grader. So um, the kindergarten and first grade education have been the ball that has been dropped this week. Um, but they are doing surprisingly well. We don't always handle changes in routine very well. And there were a Mm -hmm. couple of days that were really rough, just adjusting to the, oh, we're still not going to school. But now that we kind of have our own routine at home, this is day eight for us. So we've been doing this for a little bit now. Um, they are really kind of thriving. It it fits their natural sleep pattern a little better. And mm-hmm. um, we've not had any major meltdowns and stuff like that. So really just trying to figure out how to keep 15 and 16 year old kids doing their homework when they're at home all day has been the biggest challenge for me right now. Me and my husband work in the restaurant business. So right now, basically, my husband's pretty much, you know, laid off. I guess that's what you yeah. would consider laid off. Like he has mm-hmm. jobs, but he can't go to them or get paid. And servers, we've been cut down to the bare minimum. I had like a four-hour shift yesterday uh, where we do only curbside and to-go orders, which is not a lot. I think my boss has said they made this week what we usually make on a night. Like, so... Mm. The restaurant business in and of itself is just not doing well right now. And that just happens to be the industry I work in. So it's kind of anxiety inducing a bit to just kind of have this very unknown of, I don't know how long this is going to last. That seems to be the revolving question around this whole situation. I've talked to multiple side beers and it's hard to find someone who hasn't been affected by this pandemic. I am no longer working. Um, our company temporarily shut down and we're they're running on limited staff. So me and 10 other people are out of work. In the airport, my my friend that actually just moved to Florida um, told me yesterday that there were three TSA agents that tested positive for coronavirus and they were still at work during the time period that I was flying out. The constant feeling seems to be uncertainty and uncertainty produces anxiety. That is one thing for sure. When we don't know what's coming next, the future becomes our enemy. Have you guys, through all of this, been dealing with anxiety? How have you guys been dealing with that? Has any of that been a struggle for you? It really has been kind of in fits and starts. It was anxiety and anticipating the way things may turn out when there was so much unknown. Um, Last week, trying Mm -hmm. to get things prepared. 
at school that we may be doing this, we may not, but we're going to have this full plan in place just in case. Once we got started with the, this is what we're doing, this is a definite, here's the goal, and I had a clear goal, then a lot of that has focused down. Um, a lot of the anxiety now is still unknowns for the future, um, that I had a potential career shift um, that was on the horizon for beginning this summer. And that has vaporized because of economic issues. Just kind of unknowns about the future is the the lingering undertone of anxiety right now. Um, yeah, for me, so I'm an event planner and caterer and then just consulting full time. So I work like independently. And I just last week, I was watching my clients. It's like my calendar went from like booked and busy to just like free in terms of like work time. And so I'm just like, okay. And um, I a friend of mine, he found me some online work to do in the meantime, so which has been helpful. But it's like, I'm kind of just trying to think about it like day by day or like maybe week by week. Because if I think like what's going to happen in two months or three months or six months, like that's where my anxiety probably would go into overdrive. And so I'm just like trying not to get there. I'm just like, okay, I have enough money to pay my bills to eat, to live. I don't consider myself a very anxious person, but I have realized over the past couple of years that I do have fits of it. And it is usually in moments of just not knowing. And because I am not or have not been a very emotional person most of my life, many times I won't notice that I'm anxious and my body has to tell me. And within the past couple of days, I've like, I've felt that I'm like, I feel fine. It's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, but my body, it just like, you know, like my stomach or something, it's just telling me like, no, you're, you're dealing with this. It is affecting you. You know, just like I said, just these, these unknowns. I was telling somebody from work yesterday, I was like, we know how to be poor, but you still need money to be poor with. As our conversation went on, we were able to discuss a lot of great questions and issues. What are some things that have like brought y'all joy or like unexpected joys this week just during all of this? And have a lot of great laughs. Dino cards. Dino cards are the best. That's Elijah. He's five. My favorite things are dinosaurs. You like dinosaurs? And he's gone again. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yep. And each of the co-hosts had such amazing things to share, which believe me, I'm going to be sharing on this episode. In terms of meeting our isolation needs or whatever, just like it might be more limited in how we see people or when we get to interact with people, but still just making sure to communicate those needs before like uncommunicated needs or expectations just lead to conflict. The hard part for me was though, I left the conversation as confused and unprepared. <laughs> as I had started. I honestly think I was still processing for myself what this entire pandemic meant for me, for my family, for the Side B community, for Christianity, for the world. So I decided, like I do many times, to go talk to my brother about it. How did the recording go? It went good. Um, I just feel like I'm kind of all over the place with it. Like, I'm just all over the place. Like, I, I don't know. It went really good, but 
I'm just trying to figure out what in the world this episode's supposed to be. What do you mean? Just like what what am I supposed to communicate hmm. if at all? Like what's the message that needs to get across? To well, one of the things that everybody's talking about is like the bias, the bias, how many people get infected, blah blah blah, you know? But one of the other things that this is going to bring about is like a huge crisis on loneliness, you know? Mm-hmm. And American culture is very individualistic, but still craves for intimacy. Yeah. But now people will not be able to get those like that closeness that's we are used to, so to speak. Loneliness for sure is an issue in this situation. The entire movement of side B celibate LGBT Christians has been based on the importance of community and intimacy. And it seems like in a matter of weeks, that's been taken away from us. I honestly feel this myself. I have been in my house for about a week now, and I'm already feeling the effects of it on my mental health. I have already been going through some mental health issues. That's why I've been taking a break from hosting the podcast. So even though I live with family and I don't live alone, as a person who deals with depression, this is hard as hell. I'm an extrovert, damn it. I need people. I was glad to know, though, that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. After talking with my brother, I decided to call up a few familiar voices that we've heard on the podcast, including David Gill. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, happy to. Meg Botts. (laughs) I'm not worried about that. Okay. And Melinda Malone. Well, I've just finished my first week of teaching online. I hoped that by bringing in some more voices... I might be able to work through all of the ideas swirling through my head. And now you guys over there are in lockdown, right? Okay, so technically we're not in lockdown. We are in shelter in place. So what it means is that we're not supposed to go outside for anything non-essential. So we can go to the grocery store and the doctor to check on friends and relatives who might be more at risk. But what it means, in effect, is that we spend a whole lot more time at home and only go out. Our household, we really only go out to the grocery store, drugstore, and take the kids for walks. So the people who live in the two Florida street houses, they still see each other all the time. I live in the Petrero street house with a family of four. So we see each other all the time but we don't really have too much interaction at this point with our other house, which is very sad. As a hardcore extrovert, I am not doing well. I was hit pretty hard by our community's decision to not meet, even in small groups this week, because it made me realize how much of my energy I get from meeting with my community folks. I live in a house with a family of four. They're pretty well set because they have each other. Their school was prepared and sending them homeschool packets. And it's been a big adjustment for them. But essentially, the mom was a stay-at-home mom and a student. And the dad teaches at the same school I do. And now we're teaching online. But he worked part-time. So in essence, Their family life, it's a little bit more intense, but they're set up pretty well to take care of each other. They're very fortunate in this situation. 
That being said, they're very focused on taking care of one another and adjusting to all the changes. And so since I'm the only other one in the house, there's not a lot of bandwidth right now for household, for community, in short, for me. Can you share about how, how the pandemic has affected you and how you're feeling about it, all of it? Mm. Well, I tend to be kind of high anxiety anyway. So this has done nothing to help my mental health, especially given that my situation right now is that I, I am on two-week furlough from my job and it's paid and I'm still anxious. Something that has really like rested on me, I guess, has been my utter inability to control my situation, mm-hmm. which is interesting because like as a Christian, obviously, well, duh, like God's in charge. Okay, fine. But that's not the way I live my life Yeah, generally. And, and even even being a Presbyterian where that's like a cornerstone of what Presbyterians believe and teach, like I'm still not living my life that way. So it's, it's kind of been a wake up call. Are there any ways you think that this has affected you uniquely being gay and celibate? I don't know if it's completely unique, but I think it's unusual. Um, And that is the way in which it sort of isolates me. So at least as an extrovert, I would say that it's making life much more challenging. I'm a person who greets my friends with hugs. I'm someone who needs like an occasional like touch on the shoulder just to survive. The whole social distancing thing has made it much more difficult for me to feel connected to anyone or anything. This whole experience has been very isolating. And, you know, I'm, I'm aware also of married friends of mine who are feeling isolated. So I don't think that's specifically me or my situation that, that, that kind of does that. But at the same time, like my married friends have spouses that they sleep next to at night or that they, you know, are continually getting, hopefully some sort of physical affirmation whether or not it's you know continuous like I would want or not it's just it feels like they have options that I don't have this got me thinking the need for touch in a human's life is huge it's not something many people think about till they have to go without it touch is such a vital part of our culture that it's like the metaphor of fish on land who asks the fish in the sea how's the water and the fish in the sea responds what's water Now, when we're talking about touch, we aren't really even talking about sex. Sure, that's a form of touch, but it's honestly not as critical as the forms of touch we receive on a daily basis through handshakes, hugs, hands on the shoulder, and kisses goodbye. There's so many studies, some of which are included in the show notes, that show we need touch to survive. And more than to survive, we need it to thrive. And we realize that more than ever in this time of COVID-19, when in order to keep this virus from spreading, we must give up so much of the touch we receive on a daily basis. I I read uh, a quote on somebody's Facebook post about the fact that at this point, 
every time you touch someone, you're trusting them with your life. You know, I was around during the AIDS crisis in the 80s in the Bay Area. And when we first heard about the disease, we didn't know how it was transmitted. And fortunately, it was much more difficult to transmit than this one is. But one of the things that really became apparent is who you trusted with your life and who would be there when your life was at risk. And I think that's something that we are all thinking about now. When we touch someone, it could be that we're taking our life and their life in our hands. I think it really brings home who are your, <laughs> the other word that's getting thrown around a lot is essential. Who are your essential, essential relationships? Whose lives do you most want to protect? And whose lives would you give up your life for? So I want to be clear. None of this is to say touch is so important, so we should ignore mandates for social distancing. No, none of that is being said. We must practice social distancing to protect the vulnerable people in our communities and to protect our health system. But acknowledging the importance of touch and relationships, we need to figure out what those look like in this time. So at this point, I'm being so grateful for our online community. I think one thing the Side B online community has done is really built some consistent, strong presences in one another's lives. And I think that we're no less there for one another than we ever were, in a sense. We're used to being online. We're used to being connected at a distance. Ray Lowe said something in his sermon this morning. He didn't like the term social distancing. He likes being distantly social. We in the Side B community are almost kind of prepared for this because mm -hmm. with related to online community, we've been doing this. Yeah. We're already touch starved. <laughs> we already know. We got this. We've already. Yeah. We've been doing this already. But yeah. one thing I would say is that one thing we've been emphasizing in our community over the past couple of years is find people who are safe for you. So you're not touch starved. So you're not. And that is still true. It's much harder now, if especially mm -hmm. for those of us living alone. This began to remind me of something that Becca had shared in the original co-host discussion. Um, I know I have lots of friends that are, that they live alone though. I mean, that's one of the things that I have appreciated of knowing that I have them around because um, they are helping to meet a lot of those needs um, as far as just being in contact with people. Um, they touch me probably more than I want to be touched a lot of days right now. <laughs> but. For those who um, are living alone and are really kind of touch starved already because they are so used to being around people. One of the things that um, it's not a huge help. It doesn't 100% replace that being touched by other people. Um, but using like a deep tissue massage on just your arms yourself, like having an, a prolonged like deep squeeze of your own arm helps meet that if it's a physiological I need to be touched helps reduce that anxiety and just simple things like being able if you've got a weighted blanket sleeping with a weighted blanket helps or just cuddling up on the couch so basic kinds of things like that 
for those who are touch starved um, can help at least settle anxiety. It certainly doesn't replace contact with another human being, but it can help keep things a little more balanced and just acknowledging that to people. I mean, be on a Zoom call with people and say, look, I really am sad about the fact that I can't just give you a, a handshake or a hug or whatever and just talking about it helps. So don't be afraid to have some of those like deeper need-based conversations. I think in many ways, creativity is kind of the key here. As the world tries to figure out how to deal with this virus, we have to do our part. We have to stay home. We have to social distance, or as Ray Lowe said, distantly socialize. And we're going to have to think creatively in order to meet our needs in the meantime. So just the acknowledgement that some touch is essential for human thriving, and we cannot go long-term without it, without serious mental health consequences. I think it's something that's being brought forth to everyone. And it's also bringing forth people's creativity. I mean, some of the, I, when we were researching how to do the past find of the piece, uh, there were so many different sort of options being floated around in various liturgical networks. You can do this gesture, you can do this, you can do namaste, you can do you know, all kinds of things. But I think people's creativity is going to blossom when they realize how much they need certain things. People are very, human beings are very adaptable. They will find ways to get their needs met. As I continued processing all of this, my mind started to go back to some things that came up in conversation with Meg. I would encourage people to maybe meditate on the, the symbolism behind the church being the body of Christ. This might be cheesy, but I'm, I've been thinking a lot about just the biology behind uh, viral infections and especially the immune response. Our, God made our bodies just so cool that we, we, we have this capability um, for the most part. Of course, we our bodies are fallen and it doesn't always work well. But um, we have this ability that when there's a virus that enters into our system, our, our body can respond to that and produce, uh, you know, white blood cells, T cells, B cells that will surround this virus, that will, um, that will find a way to recognize it and be ready to, to overcome it together. But it takes all the cells working together and, and somehow having this capacity to basically communicate with one another or receive from hormonal responses in the body, um, if they can listen to that response and join together and, and develop this readiness that um, this virus can be overcome. And your body actually ends up being stronger after that infection than it ever was before, even though that virus technically never really goes away. And I think there's really powerful symbolism in that. Because I think as the body of Christ, if we're going to overcome and if we're going to be a witness to a lonely world, we need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We need to make hearing from God a priority in our lives. Not in a 
condemning or judgmental, oh, you should have been doing this kind of way, but like, let's lean in. This is an opportunity. Maybe we haven't been listening to God's voice for a while, but today is an opportunity and we can listen to that and we can come together and develop this readiness for what God has for the church in the coming season. And that's going to make us stronger. And that's going to make us a light to a world that doesn't have a lot of direction. And it will point them to hearing from God themselves as well. Um, I think that's something that motivates me is just that I'm here not just for myself, but I'm here to build up the body of Christ. And I have something to offer, even though I'm very small. I'm just one person. Um, and I think that purpose and that opportunity to to give my love away to other people and to have joy in that, that that is a lot of what brings me joy and purpose in a time like this. Okay, so some of you may be wondering, what does this have to do with touch? And I think it goes back to what Melinda was just sharing about, about creativity. You see, there is one thing I love. Well, one of many things that I love about Megbots, which is her heart for service. And it's not just a heart to be busy and to do things. It's a heart to say, God, what are you wanting me to do in this time to serve others and to serve you? And from this perspective of service and opportunity, as we continue to talk, Meg brought up some great points on how this situation we are in with touch and relationships could actually possibly be an opportunity. I think like a lot of disruptive events, there's both a unique challenge and a unique opportunity. So the challenge is a lot of us are already feeling really isolated. We're looking around at other people and we're saying, well, they have family, they have family, they have community, and well, what do I have? And I think it's that relative comparison that can be difficult, but even just the state of, you know, not having someone to come home to or someone to fall asleep next to or wake up next to, those can definitely wear on us. Um, and when this happens, it's like even even the community that we have built up and the relationships that we have and the people that we get to visit, suddenly that, especially that physical presence is taken away from us. And that can just put us in a really vulnerable spot. I do think the unique opportunity is there's less of that looking around and seeing everybody else having all this community. Suddenly the whole world basically is brought into an experience very similar to ours where we want to pursue relationships and uh and intimacy and relationships and healthy physical touch and physical presence in in a room with somebody and we don't and nobody has that and um so i think there's an opportunity for for other people to kind of enter into that space with us and to better understand like, yes, now you know how I feel. Uh, but there's also an opportunity where other people are also hungry for a relationship. And I think we can bring a strength into that and to say, hey, I know what that's like in my life. 
and instead of me saying see like isn't this hard i can go over to people and be like hey i i have a little bit of wisdom here on how to navigate this and i can offer my own presence to you uh and you can see the beauty of of what relationships um can look like outside of your family and outside of what you're used to throughout all the conversations in this episode this idea came up multiple times both in the co-host discussion as well as in my conversation with my brother a lot of people that at the very least in the situations of being celibate or most of or all of their life while it's not exactly the same as being quarantined they've dealt with a little more solitude than other people have and they'll have more insight on how not to let just plain and simple solitude drive them crazy okay as side b people mm -hmm. we are used to deal with this with loneliness to be isolated to do not have the support other people have as a family so to speak so how do we that we know how to deal with that more than other people how can we respond to this crisis and serve other people not just us being the victim you know yeah it's like okay what can we do to actually serve uh, what have we learned that we can teach other people how can we be intentional how can we share hope how can we communicate and for example check on our friends. Hey, how are you doing today? I love one of my friends. Uh, remember that we have this anchor uh, caravan chat and Ryan asked like, out of, from, he asked like four questions. Oh yeah, I love that. Let me look the, can you read it? I love, I love that because that was really intentional. It's not just like, it? hey, what up? He said, so three questions. Number one, how are you handling Corona emotionally? Rate one to 10 and give me more details if you want. Number two, do you have any current needs? Number three, what is your biggest prayer request? So I love that because it's intentional, you know? Then we started talking about how we were feeling and how we can uh, support each other. But then, like, what books are you reading? So there are many things that the coronavirus can, uh, that we can find the bright side of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, when was the last time that you had an entire week or two or three weeks for yourself? So as we look at meeting our own needs for relationships and touch in this time of isolation, maybe one way we can meet our own needs is seeing how we can meet these needs in others. Maybe we can also see ourselves in this situation, not as the ones in need, but as the experienced, the ones who can serve others. Many LGBT people know what it's like to feel alone and isolated over a long period of time. That's not even a side B thing necessarily. That's among all LGBT people, but especially among those of us who have chosen celibacy. We know what prolonged periods of loneliness feel like, and we have dealt with it or are dealing with it. So I want you to listen to me here because I feel there are many that need to hear this. You, no matter if you are LGBT, same-sex attracted, straight, whatever, you have great things to share and pour into the lives of other people. I feel like sometimes in LGBT conversations, we talk so much about how much we are victimized and that is a reality. Yes, that is something we need to talk about. But we forget that each of us is a person with talents and experiences, capabilities, 
with a God-given purpose to impact the world for his kingdom. You are qualified simply because you have been called by God and made in his image. And if you let him, God will use every talent and experience you have to impact the lives of others. And that includes even the bad experiences like loneliness and isolation. God will use those experiences of yours for you to impact the lives of others if you let him. Yeah. One thing that I think God's been laying on my heart lately is the idea that every need is an opportunity for love. And it's actually need that brings us together. Um, when I think of how God made humanity, we're made in God's image, but we're also so small and so limited. Like we can't survive a day without water. We can't survive you know, a few weeks without food. We can't survive a few minutes without oxygen. And these are things that are in our DNA that are in needs. And especially in a pandemic, you see that vulnerability and that need. And that there's a lot of pain and suffering that can come from that, whether biologically or um, putting people in tough economic situations with not being able to work or to connect socially. But what I also see is it's actually our needs and our limitations that bring us together and they're what causes to depend on one another if we could survive on our own and we didn't need people like we wouldn't try we wouldn't connect with people and we wouldn't have the joy of that connection and yeah um i think because there are more needs now yes there's a lot more opportunity for for pain and hurt and suffering, but there's also so much opportunity for connection um, that, that we can be looking out for. Humans are powerful beings, but we're also fragile in the sense that we have many needs in order to survive. As much as American culture pushes us to believe that we are independent beings, we honestly aren't. We cannot survive without each other. I mean, look at this whole pandemic. If there's one thing this pandemic has shown us that many Americans love to ignore, it is that the world is a lot smaller and interconnected than many probably realized before. God created us as communal beings. As he said in Genesis 2, it isn't good for a human to be alone. We need each other. So need brings us together, but it also drives us to Jesus. When this posts, I'll know more about it the general situation of what's going on than even I do right now, obviously. But like, even then, unless somebody's listening to this podcast, like two years down the road, you really don't know the end of the story, mm -hmm. right? So anyone who's listening two years from now, great. You know a lot more about this than we do right now. We're, we're staring into the abyss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. And, and I was, I was thumbing through um, a little book called The Loveliness of Christ, which is a compilation of sayings, um, quotations rather, from Samuel Rutherford. And one of, the, one of the quotations in it is, dry wells send us to the fountain. Mm. So I've been thinking about that. Dry wells send us to the fountain. And I don't know that I have a ton of, you know, super wise things reflections on that but it's like 
if if my anxiety is a dry is a dry well which it is um it takes a lot of energy and doesn't give any back like this has to this has to send me to the fountain that's Christ like it has to there's nowhere else to go and there's nowhere else to go and and so i've i've been trying to like meditate on that i've been trying to let that truth dwell richly in my heart and to and to think of passages where i'm directed to cast all your cares upon jesus because he cares for you you know like he's the fountain he's it sounds trite unfortunately but like he's kind of all we have right now and you know what he's kind of all we have ever and we just we live such busy lives we don't know that i don't know that you know when i first began to live in colombia i was amazed by the importance of prayer among the christians there prayer was everything i didn't understand it but i came to realize they were strong in prayer because they knew what it was like to be in a position where they had no other option except prayer. As much as I would like to say I understand what it's like to depend on Jesus, I have never experienced something like what so many people around the world have experienced. It is easy to sing worship songs about Jesus being all we need or tattooing verses about trusting in God on our arms. But are we ready to put that into practice? Am I ready to say, God, you know what? Whatever comes next, I trust you. I trust you to take care of me through this. That doesn't mean I can't be afraid or stressed. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be lonely. It's okay to be frustrated. God wants our emotions, but it's not okay to give up. I'll be honest. I am going through a lot of different emotions. I have times of anxiety and stress, even as I record this episode. But if there is one thing I'm really trying to do, it is allow those moments to push me towards God instead of away from him. And that's easy to say, but it is very hard to do at times. God's got this though. We're not the first generation to deal with a pandemic. God has taken the world through this before. What we can do, at least, is focus on the next step. Meditating on God's word. What, um, in the middle of this, what what encouragement would you give to listeners who are processing this as well and um, trying to figure out as they go forward? Christ loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves me with an everlasting love. He's he's numbered the hairs on our head. Like, does he not care for us? Like, I wrestle with this a lot, right? These are, these are things, the things I'm saying right now feel like platitudes to me a lot because 
of my anxiety because I I have witnessed a lot of situations in my life where it feels like God has been absent. And there's probably a handful, more than a handful, of people listening right now who feel like God is absent. And he isn't. He isn't absent. He's very, very much here. Yeah, I would encourage, I, would, I really would encourage listeners to spend time um, seeking God, finding a way to get just quiet, even if it's just for five minutes, and just breathe in and out. Meditate on scripture and say, God, what would you have me know? What would you have me feel? I have been trying to do more is, you know, make sure I definitely am, you know, praying in the morning and like any comments that I have to do. I've been, Streetlight's uh, audio Bible, they just released their book one of Psalms, like the day before all this came down the pipe. So I've been listening to that. It's like Psalms 1 through 41 or something like that. And I've just been listening to that. It just, it is the soothing effect of, I don't know, hearing the word out loud. Eventually, this too shall pass. It'll leave devastation in its wake. And it will have some permanent changes and consequences. They won't all be bad. But a lot of them will be. And I think just remembering that this world sucks. <laughs> and it always sucks on some level, but it's all, and it's also full of beauty and wonderfulness. I think that if we can keep a long-term perspective and, you know, good old Julian's all shall be well, all shall be well, all manner of things shall be well, doesn't mean now, it means ultimately God is still in control. You have these, this like set of train tracks ahead of you where it's like, okay, you're going on this path and here's the structure. And all of a sudden that structure has come out from underneath us. And so we just don't know which direction to go. And I think something to do is to, to go to God in prayer and decide on a direction and then stick with that and be faithful with that. So what I would say as an encouragement is that this is just a season. We have lived through bad seasons before, but seasons pass. I think the most important thing right now is to hold on to what gives you life. So where do we go from here? We can't do this without God and without each other. So I think for me, Some of the things that I've gathered from these conversations that I'm hoping to carry me as we move forward in this journey, we need to find ways of staying connected to people in these times of shelter in place and lockdown and social distancing. We still need people. We still need relationships. Those needs don't go away. But we also, if we really love people, If we really want to love people as ourselves, we also have to surrender to the fact that we can't meet those needs as we normally would, at least for a time. 
Because while I may be fine in this, while I may get through it, and it might just be like a cold, that won't happen for multiple people who I pass it to without even knowing. So loving people means surrendering some of the ways that I would normally and naturally meet my needs for community. So I need to be creative. And in the midst of that, my emotions are okay. And I still keep trying to remind myself of that. My anxiety, my loneliness, my frustration, those emotions are okay. And God wants to see those emotions. He wants me to express them to him. Because ultimately, we are only going to get through this together and with Jesus. It ultimately comes down to that. It's him. There is no other answer that can be as cliche as you want to make it. You can roll your eyes. But when we get to the point of having nothing else, Jesus is still there. Money goes away and comes. People go away and comes. But Jesus is there. He will always be there. I hope that you guys can take some encouragement from this episode. I know doing it has been a big encouragement for me. And again, that doesn't mean that it takes away our anxiety, but at least that it allows us to have hope as we move forward, knowing that there is light at the end of the tunnel. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for going on this journey with me. And this journey is not over. We will continue walking together, together and with God. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We'll get through this together.